So I, I've been praying about this word. I got this word during, early in the week, and I just knew that the Lord wanted me to speak it. And uh, everybody I've talked to this week, something about this has came up. And uh, so yesterday I'm talking to Pastor Chad and he, telling him what I was going to be preaching, and he said, you should listen to Jason's message. Jason's message was so good last week, and I wasn't here. And so it wasn't until last night I got to listen to Jason's message, and I realized they're hand in hand. Like It actually helped me by hearing his message because I didn't know how it was going to fit everything into my message, and then I realized Jason preached half of it last week. So I guess you just, just get to do the second half, right? So it, uh, it's just amazing how God works that way because we never talked about it. But um, in John 10.10, 10, uh, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And uh, I look at our world and I look at our circumstances and I look... I just look at what's going on, and I look, if you look at life right now, and Jason said it over and over last week, some things have to change. And we can't look at our world without understanding there's a change that's needed, right? There's a big change that's needed. You can look at the politics. You can look at the the way people live. You can look at the the many, many, many churches that are turning away from scriptures, you can look at so many things in this world and say something's got to change, and uh, and it's true. But then I read a, a word like this, and it says, "I came that they may have life and have it abundantly." And then I start wondering, do we have life and do we have it abundantly? If we're being honest with ourselves, do we have life and is it an abundant life? Is it a? Would you say, man, I am in a life of abundance? Right? Could you say that? That's why Jesus came, but I'm not sure if that's how we're living. So I'm going to pray about this word before we get into it, and uh, I'm just going to ask God to speak through us. So, Father God, uh, Lord, I just turn this word over to you, Lord. I pray that you would just speak your message through me, God, that I would get out of your way, that I would not speak anything of my own power, Lord, but your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts that are that we would be open to receive it, Lord, and our lives would change completely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to go to Psalm 91, and I'm going to try to go through this kind of quickly because I don't want us to be here all day long. And I think you can get the uh the message with a few scriptures I have without me having to explain too much. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And this is a guy sitting here in hiding saying, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This is a guy whose life is under attack. And he's not speaking to God about the attack on his life. Instead, he says, you're my fortress. You're my refuge. I trust you, right? Then it goes on and says, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. And any commentary you read about this tells you he is not saying he will keep you 
from the fowler or from the deadly pestilence. We're human. We're going to walk right into it. We're naive at times. Just like a bird, we'll just go right into it, and it's going to happen. Right? Doesn't say it won't. Says he will deliver me from it. Right? He will get me out of that. Then he said, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings he will you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. If you don't know, a buckler wraps around your body. It's kind of like it be the equivalent of kind of like an armor. Uh, so he's not saying you won't have attacks. He's not saying things won't go on. He's just saying God will protect you, right? Still, things are going to be there. We live in a, in a fallen world. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. If you notice, nowhere in there does he say there will not be darkness. That there will not be terror in the darkness. There would not be arrows. There would not be pestilence in the darkness or destruction that wasted noonday. Right? He never says it. Instead, he says you won't have a fear of it. And if we're being honest with ourselves, do we not have a fear of these things? Do we not have a fear of the way our world looks? Do we not have a fear of what we're going through? Whenever we start thinking about the future, or we start looking around us, is there not a fear? Because he didn't say that things wouldn't happen. He said, I will not have a fear. Right? He says, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. And so, everything can be going on all around the world, and everybody can be falling, and things can be all messed up, and people can be tripping in the snares. We can look at a thousand churches that are turning away from God. But it said it won't come near us. It's interesting, it's still going to be around us, but it won't be us. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, or befall you, no plague come near your tent. And we obviously know that we will still get sick. We know that uh, evil will be all around us, but it will never overtake us. It can never take us, but... The only way it doesn't overtake us is because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. Uh, and we're going to go through a few more scriptures. And uh, I don't know what I did there, but it changed. Uh, we're going to go through a few more scriptures here in a minute. But I want you to think about the stuff going on in our lives. Uh, Jason talked about last week about how when you're at work, or you're in life and you, you have these relationships and, and you just look at somebody and you know they need to change. And he's talking about how, in all actuality, maybe you need to change, right? The way you live may need to change. The way you love may need to change. The way you represent yourself may need to change. And I would say the same thing would probably go with our world. 
You don't change the world by going out and speaking everything negative that's going on in the world. You don't change the world by being afraid of what's going on around us. You change the world by changing yourself. Right? It starts with us. Right? They, what's the, the old saying? If you want a change, you need to be the change. So we see everything going on around our world. We have uh, so many activities going on. Life is moving so quickly. Um, there's just so much, and then we always feel so overwhelmed. But this guy is saying, for he will command his angels concerning you, or wrong one, my bad. He's saying, because you made the Lord your God your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, he's saying because of that, you don't have to worry about the rest. So where do you turn when you go through these things? And how do you turn to the one who takes care of you? I'm reading everything he says here, and he's not asking him to take him out of his situation. He's not asking him to to deliver him from, from anything. He's not saying, or to, to uh, heal him of anything. He's not saying take care of, just don't let these things happen. How many of us, if we're being honest, pray and we say, Lord, do whatever you need to get my attention or do what you need to do, just hopefully it's not that bad. Right, I may be the only one that always prayed that. Back in the day, I prayed it all the time. Lord, do whatever you need to do. I just hope it's not too bad. And one day God said, well, then it's not anything I need to do. Right? Sometimes we have to go through stuff for God to get our attention, right? It's how we go through it that's the problem. It's the mindset. We pray oftentimes for God to take something away from us or to... uh free us of affliction or to heal us of what we're going through. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The bad thing is, is when you're focused on that, right? We cannot focus our, ourselves. This, this man writing this, and we don't know who wrote this. They believe it was either David or Moses. Uh, for me, by the writing, I actually think it's David uh, because of the way he writes and, and uh, just the one-on-one passion but if you look at the Psalms from David and from Moses, both of them could be close. But uh, I still think it's David. But it doesn't really matter. Whoever it is is not focused on the situations. He's focused on his God. Right? And uh, there's, there's a lot, like there's a song out there. I told Chad about this the other day. It said, uh, help me focus on the healer, not the healing, right? We pray and we ask for God, for stuff from God and we focus on what God can give us often. And we're not focused on God. We want a life of abundance. Jesus said, I came so they would have life and have life of abundance. But this psalmist has shown us the life of abundance is in the Lord. Right, everything's going to go on around you. It's going to try. He said, Jesus said, you know, the thief will come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's trying to steal your peace. He's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to steal all these things from you by throwing, allowing all these things to come against you. And I believe wholeheartedly, and everybody in this room knows that the person in charge is Jesus, is God the Father. 
He is in charge and Satan is not. Satan cannot take these things from you. He can try to get you distracted from them, but he's got a limited authority that falls under the authority of our God. And we have more authority than he does. We have authority, dominion. Uh, We were given the ability to uh, tend to this land and to protect it. And I don't know that we always do that. We always just look at Satan and how, how powerful he is and what he's doing, and we feel overwhelmed because we're not looking to our refuge. We're not looking to the one who protects us. We're not looking to the most high usually. We're looking at what he can provide us. Right? goes on in this uh, scripture, and we're going to go through Psalm 91. We're going to finish it out here real quick. It says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I don't know about you, but just knowing that very fact right there is relieving. And uh, the other day in in prayer group, Margie brought up whenever Elijah was uh, about to be under attack and the, the armies of angels that were around him, and he asked that a servant could see him. And we sometimes forget that there's armies of angels working on our behalf, right? Two-thirds of the angels are still following God. They're still good. That means we outnumber anything. If you take the angels and you take us who are spirit-filled people, there's, there's nothing that overpowers us. We win. We always win, but it's our mindset is what makes us lose. Our mindset is what happens to us, right? It says, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot, because, we, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him. Because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And if you look at this, it never says I'm going to keep him from these things. He said, I'll be with him. I will deliver him and I'll give him long life and I will satisfy him, show him my salvation. Nowhere in there to say I'll heal him. I'll give him a life of protection. I'll make him comfortable. Right? Nowhere in there does it say that. It just says, I'm going to be with him. We often want the life of comfort and not the life with God. And uh, Jesus said, if you follow me, you will be persecuted. If you follow me, the world will hate you. Paul tells us a whole lot of what could happen following Jesus, right? And we'll get to that here in a minute. I want to point out two stories real quick uh, that kind of give us an understanding of how God works. And uh, I don't really know. I know Chad knows a lot more church history than I do. I don't know when it came a point to where, uh, I would say it's probably within the last hundred years or a little more, but to where it became the point that we we look more for miracles and healing 
and just the, the fruits of what, the, well, not even just the fruits, but the, the actions of what God can provide for us instead of looking to God, right, instead of turning to God. Like, we all know somebody who's always talking about, oh, I just want to see the miracles of God come out. I want to see the healing poured down. I want to see these big works going on. We need to see them. And it's like, no, we need the glory of God. Right? If we seek God, he'll take care of the rest. But if we're seeking what he can do, then we're going to have an issue. So, in Daniel 3, we all know this story. This is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are being set up here. They're not going to worship the false god of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar gets enraged, and you see in verse 13... It says, then Nebuchadnezzar is furious, rage, uh, in a furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, Trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. So here he is saying, if you do what I tell you to do, you follow me and you do what's going to, like, if you worship my gods and do it the way I say, all will be well and good. And I will say, you may think like, well, I don't have to worry about that. There's a time coming soon that you will either denounce Jesus Christ or you won't. You'll have, it'll be that that obvious. Either you do it the way we say, you can worship the, your God the way we pointed out, or you'll be locked up. He said, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we... we have no need to answer you in this matter. Now, they could have easily said, Oh, Lord, please don't let this happen. Oh, Lord, deliver us from this. Oh, Lord, take us away from Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, Lord, bind Nebuchadnezzar up. Throw him out. Put him in the furnace. They could have said all kinds of things to try to get out of this situation, which most of us would do. And I say that because I would. I would sit there and I'd be praying against the situation I'm in. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Now you notice he did not say, neither none of them said, God won't let you put us in that fiery furnace. They said, God's got the ability to deliver us from it if you put us in there. They're not running from the fact that God may allow them to be put in a fiery furnace. We often wonder, why would God allow this to happen? Instead of saying... God, I know you're going to get me through this. God, be with me in this. Right? We're always trying to escape something from happening instead of asking God to be with us when it's happening. And it says, He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, if He does not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship this golden image that you have set up. And we all know what happens. They get thrown into the fiery furnace. 
Nebuchadnezzar's sitting there watching. And in verse 24, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men uh, uh, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the Son of God's. He recognized that there is a son of the gods in there. He knew there was somebody special in that fire with them. Right? They were delivered. Fire never even touched them. The men throwing them into the fire died, and they never had a problem. Right? But they never asked God to keep them from going into fire. Right? They never even said, oh God, don't let us be burned. They said, our God can deliver us, and if he doesn't, We're still going to serve him. Daniel 6, verse 19. And this is is Daniel himself, that all the leaders under the king decided that uh, they were going to set up Daniel because they were tired of the favor he got. He was being treated better than they were. And they could not find one thing wrong with him. They investigated and they investigated and he did not one thing wrong. So they set up an unwinnable circumstance for him that he would either, that he would have to stop serving his gods and worshiping the other gods, right? And in verse 19, oh, this is, actually it's going to be earlier in verse 19. So he gets thrown into the lion's den. The king is very, uh, distraught that he has to throw Daniel in the lion's den, right? Daniel doesn't really seem to care. Daniel's like, all right, do what you must. The king is hurting because he didn't want to kill his most faithful servant. He tried to give Daniel an out. Daniel would not take the out, so he has to have him thrown into the lion's den. In verse 19, it says, Then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the lion's den, and as he came near to the Dim where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declares to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you've served, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Which I imagine whenever he came out there and said that, he already knew the answer was no. Because, I mean, they're lions. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, Yeah, it says, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the lion's den. So Daniel was taken up out of the lion's den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. He walked right in there. You know what else Daniel did? This will this will amaze you. Daniel is serving a, a pagan king. He's serving a king who is not saved. He's not a Jewish king. He's serving a king who uh, took his people captive, and in a place to where. They weren't doing the things he would have wanted them to do. He became the greatest servant that king had ever had. 
We are in a world, a fallen world, where people aren't following God, where it's not a non-Christian culture now. And are we the kind of people that when people see us, we're the greatest servants around? We're a joy to them. That we're doing everything the way we should be doing it while also serving God fully. He served in a way... At the end, the king actually makes a decree that everybody has to worship the God of Daniel. And I think if we could go into circumstances, if we're in, if we're thrown into a circumstance such as a lion's den, and none of us are going to be in a circumstance such as a lion's den probably, to where we're almost guaranteed to be eaten. But if we're thrown into a circumstance like that, could we trust God enough to do something? Could we go into it with a heart focused on God and not crying out, Oh God, deliver me. Oh God, don't let me go through a hard time. Or can we say, God, whatever you're sending me through, I trust you. Do what you're going to do. Lord, use me mightily. What if Daniel would have prayed that prayer, God, keep me out of lion's den. Never let me go into the lion's den. What would happen to the king and all of his people? If he never went in the lion's den. If Daniel never got thrown in the lion's den, made such an example of who his God is, nobody would have been saved. Nobody would have turned to God. So I'm going to ask you this, when you're going through hard times, be it at work, be it in your home, be it amongst your friends, be it when you're looking at the world, do people hear you complain more about things or turn to towards God about things. Whenever people hear you pray, do they hear you pray more about deliverance from things, about the healings? And like I said, I don't have a problem praying about deliverance and healings and all that. Because even Jesus said, Father God, if, if it is your... He said, take this cup from my hands if it is your will, but if not, your will be done, right? So Jesus himself wanted deliverance. Then he said, but your will be done, God. And we often leave it at, God, give me what you can give me. Like, take care of me, protect me, give me the comfortable part, because I don't want to go through the hard part. Right? We, we forget that part of whatever you need, God. We forget that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thing of, even if I have to go into it, God will take care of me. And if he doesn't deliver me, he's still God. Right? That's a different mindset. When somebody is facing death, somebody has cancer or anything else, and they're facing a hard time, and all they're focused on is waiting for their healing and all that, the only way somebody will ever see God is if healing comes. You've now limited what God can show himself off in your life, but whenever you're going through something, you can praise God and you say, I, whatever I go through, I know God's doing something. Just wait to see what my God can do. And it's that that heart you have turned towards God, praising God, and them seeing that that just peace and joy in your heart, that's what people are attracted to. That's when they start seeing there's something different about this person. How can they go through this and it doesn't even affect them? Right? How can they go through the fiery furnace and all I see around them is God? Right? There does have to be change in this world, but it has to be us. 
People have to see us changing the way we live and the way we talk, the way we we serve God. They need to see it as the way it should be and not the way we want it to be. It's the only way change comes into this world, right? Uh, and I'm going to quickly read 2 Corinthians 12. And this is Paul. Paul is talking about how he just talked about the man called into the third heavens and he'll boast about him, but he won't boast about himself even though he has every right to do so. And then in verse 7 he says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming conceited. Sometimes God got to get us through, put some stuff on us to get our attention. To humble us. To say, hey, stop being so comfortable. Stop focusing on yourself so much, right? Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Whew. Are we content with all that stuff? Are we content with the struggles? Are we content with what we don't have? Are we content with going through this stuff? Paul actually prayed three times that he would be healed. And whenever he realized God saying, no, my strength is enough, he began to praise God in his weakness. And when we're going through some stuff, do we praise God in it? Right? Oh, man, my house burned down. But praise the Lord, he's providing. I wasn't in that house. He kept me from being in that fire. Right? I know no matter what, even if I have to sleep on the streets, God's going to provide. Right? Praise you, Lord. I'm glad I serve you and no other God. Right? And it says, for the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ. When you're going through a struggle... When you're going through a hardship, are you focused on your sake or are you focused on the sake of Christ? Are you focused on the flesh or are you focused on the spirit? There's our biggest problem. We cannot deny our flesh. Usually when we talk about denying the flesh, we think about like people who are addicted to pornography or sex or even just fasting, but it's not just fasting. It's giving up our cares, saying, Lord, whatever, like, I, I don't want that comfort. I don't want, I want you. I want what you want, right? Let's see. Luke twenty one thirty four says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with desperation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come, uh, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon you, all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times. Pray that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. 
This is one of those things that uh, I've shared it a few times this week, and this is one of those things that oftentimes we get ran down by what we have going on. Right? I have so much going on, Lord, I need you to take some off my plate. Lord, I need you to give me rest. Lord, I need you to whatever. Right? As times get harder and harder, we ask for relief. But he's saying pray for strength. Pray for energy. Pray for boldness. There was a point in time that I would work. I would go to work in the morning. I'd get to work between 3.30 and 4 every morning on a Monday morning. And I would get off around 5 o'clock, and I would have to rush around and pick up a van load of kids for youth group, right? And I would show up to youth group. We would start youth group around, I want to say we're starting at 6.30. So I was moving fast. Probably, well, I did. I'm not going to lie. I broke a whole lot of laws. I had about 10, 12 kids in every van load, and I was driving super fast to get where I needed to go. And I would come and I'd do youth group, and we would leave here about 9 o'clock. And I had more energy than every one of those teenagers. Every one of them. They were always amazed at the energy, but it wasn't because I was praying, Lord, Give me rest. Lord, bring somebody else to do this, Lord. It's more than I can handle, right? It wasn't that. I prayed every day, Lord, give me the energy to do what you're calling me to do. Lord, make a way so I can be used the way you want me to be used. And I would have more energy than all of them. And if they prayed for me, I couldn't sleep until about 11 or 12 o'clock that night. But it made for... It'd be long days, and I could have sat there worried about my flesh and wondering when I was going to be able to sleep. When was I going to be able to get rest? When, what about me? What about me? What about me? But it wasn't about me. It was about God. God, do what you need to do. What are you going to do? And we're at the end times here, and things are getting to be where things are moving so fast. And Satan wants to trap us in the fact of getting distracted and saying, I just want to give up. I'm tired. I'm wore out. I can't do this. And God's saying, same thing for Paul. Lord, I'm weak, but you're strong. Lord, there's so much going on, but I need your strength. God, do what you're going to do in me. Right? Us, usually we're like, I got to cut something out, and the first thing we cut out is God. Ryan, you can come on up. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is that everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He understands, or his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases his strength. Even you shall faint and grow weary, and young men shall be exhausted, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you don't read Isaiah 40 every so often, you need to start reading Isaiah 40 every so often. Shelly, this tells me you're going to have more energy than any youth. And you might already have it. <laughs> but it, uh, 
It's the very thing. It's a promise. It's not a promise that things won't be hard. It's not a promise that people won't grow weary. It's a promise that those who wait on the Lord and pursue the Lord and do what He's calling them to do will not faint, will not grow weary. Right? We'll be everlasting. We'll last forever with Him. We'll stay strong. But it's calling upon the Lord. It didn't say call upon what God can give you. It's saying call upon the Lord and He will give you what you need. Right? And... uh as Ryan and them are about to start worshiping, I just want to remind us in Galatians 5, with the fruits of the Spirit, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things there, these things, there's no law. And these who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And when you look at these fruits of the Spirit, it's just amazing to me that your life? Do you have love? Do you have joy? The circumstances you're in, do you have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness? Self-control, gentleness, are all these things when you're going through something, can you look at it and say, I see the fruit of the Spirit in me? And if not, then we need to change that, right? Whenever I'm looking at at our political situation in America, I should be able to have peace about it. I should be able to have some joy. Right? When I'm looking at our fallen communities, our communities that are struggling, I should be able to have a peace to know God's going to do something. Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't walk into our communities and say, well, it's a lost cause. Everybody's going to die. He'd say, hey, God's going to be with us. He's going to do something. If he doesn't, he's still God. But we can walk around and look at things and we can just get so downhearted, so sad, we can just think there's no hope. Chad preached that great message about hope a couple weeks ago. There is hope. But we have to live it. Anything is going to change in life, it has to start with us. As Jesus said, we would have life and we would have life abundantly. I don't see it. Even myself. I should have a lot more abundant life than I do. God wants to do that. But it starts in us. It doesn't actually start outside. It's not like God has to provide me with healing. He doesn't have to provide me with money. He doesn't have to give me more provisions and then I can have life abundantly. Life abundantly is in God. It's with Jesus. It's the only way you have life abundantly. Because Jesus said it comes from Him. So I'm going to pray. Brian's going to worship. We're going to worship. If you need prayer, I'm here. I just ask that you pray to God about that. Are you seeing life abundantly? Evaluate yourself. See where you're at. What situations are you not giving over to God? What situations are He not a part of and you're looking for comfort? Are you looking for provision instead of looking for God in it? He never said He would take and give you what those situations. He said he would get you through those situations. So Father God, I pray, Lord, that, and I ask that you would search our hearts, God.
that, Father God, that you would help us to focus more on you, Lord, than the things that you can do. Minister to us. Help us to change. Help us not look at a situation, Lord, of how it affects us, but to look at the situation, Lord, about how you're going to be in it and how you're going to affect it. Let people see you in all that we go through and all that we would do, Lord. And in that, Lord, we will have peace. We will have joy. We will have love and patience. So, Father God, I pray you would just move mightily in each of us. And I thank you and I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. in a word of prayer, I just want you to think about that word. Um, if you if you read the Bible and understand the Bible the way it's written, uh, sometimes, like Eddie was saying, our culture goes from, God, do this for me, and if you do for this for me, I'll trust you. I may have noticed that sometimes we go from one emotional high to the next in order for us to serve the Lord. But if you look at somebody like Paul, let's imagine for a minute Paul had that type of faith. God, do this or do this or do this. Uh, Paul in in 2 Corinthians mentions uh, some of the things that he endured. He endured shipwreck multiple times endured beatings in towns where he preached the gospel and had Paul in each of those circumstances I mean he was betrayed by people he was beaten many times imprisoned many times shipwrecked many times can you imagine him having a American faith God if you'll just get me out of this shipwreck then I'll preach the gospel God, if you'll just make them like me, then I'll preach the gospel. If you'll just help me not take a beating here, then I'll preach the gospel. And what Eddie's getting at in this message is, a lot of churches in America, that's their gospel. That if God gets you out of something or God does something for you, then I'll serve you. And God's saying, no, that's not how the people in the Bible did it. You know, Abraham the father of all faith, genuine faith, endured a lot in his life. David endured a lot. Um, In fact, up until, you know, nearly the age of 40, he was running for his life because uh, there was a manhunt for him. I mean, David became king, but it was a little later in life than most kings became king. And so you just have to understand God is a God of miracles, but there's no substitute for faith through hard times. That means when it looks like ends don't meet, or you're not meeting ends with the financials, we've got to trust God. You know, when it looks like people aren't treating us right, what does the world do? The world turns to other things. Substances, you know, 
emotional gymnastics, you know. But what God's saying is, I need people to have genuine faith, to trust me through the most difficult circumstances. Trust God that he's going to come through, and God will always come through. I've found that to be true in my life, and there's no substitute for genuine faith. And what Eddie's trying to say is, somehow we became a culture that only accepts miracles and supernatural uh, we can't just trust God through difficult times. And so that's the challenge of this message. So stand at your feet if you would. We're going to close in a word of prayer. And I'm just going to pray um, that God would, um, yes, God would do the miraculous. But how many know sometimes God withholds the miraculous because he wants us to deepen our roots and our faith? Amen. Everybody hears me this morning? Make sure everybody's here with me this morning. God wants us to deepen our faith. He wants us to have deep roots. He wants us to be able to go through things in life and not be like the world and turn to other things besides God. He wants us to trust in Him. So let's pray. That's exactly what we do. Heavenly Father, we come before You right now. Lord, we thank You for this Word, Lord. Lord, I just pray right now that there would be a deep faith inside of every person in this room, Lord God. It's through faith that the ancients were commended for, the Bible says. They were complimented because of their faith through difficult times. And Lord, I just pray right now that we would trust you through every circumstance of life. When we don't understand it, Lord, when the trials seem too difficult, Lord God, when we feel like giving up, Lord God, Lord, we would put our trust in you. And Lord, our confidence in you. And Lord, we know that you always come through for those who trust you. Lord, you never forsake those who trust you, Lord God. Father, I just pray right now that we would see that promise come to pass in each life, Lord God. Father, that we would be triumphs of faith in everything that we do. And Lord, we wouldn't be like the world and turn to other things, Lord. But we trust you no matter what, Lord. And I pray these things in your name over your people, Lord God. Bless them, Lord. As they go through this day and this week, Lord God, let them trust in you, Lord. In your name we pray and everybody said.